Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Now, here at AOC, we may not have all the answers, but of course, we have some of the questions. And today on Fan Mail Friday, those questions come from you. We did one where we were a little bit tipsy last time. This time, stone cold sober. You know, it's just, it's, I would say it's just as fun sober. It's a different kind of fun, though, Jason. It is a different kind of fun. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something less silly, a little bit more serious, but I feel like. If we balance these two things, which is kind of the key to sobriety in the first place, right? <laughs> then, <laughs> then, then you're off to, to the races. So let's cut to it. All right. Hey, Jordan and AOC fam. I'm a college freshman, and I've just moved into the frat house that I'll be in for the year. All is going well except for one small detail. My car broke down a month ago, so I'll be going without one for my first year. I want to be able to take a girl on a date without having to ask her to drive or take the bus. What should I do? Sincerely, Carless College Kid. So this one, I don't know why we started with this one, because this one was sort of plain to me, but I understand a lot of people are really upset about the bigger problem here, which isn't, oh, I don't have a car, how am I going to get around? The bigger problem here is feeling insecure about not having something that you're supposed to have in your own mind, right? So a lot of people will say like, oh, I don't have a house I can't date. Oh, I'm not really secure in my career yet. I can't date. Well, you know, I don't have a car. I can't date. Well, I don't have this. I can't date. It's it's very common. There will always be something like this. The car, however, seems a little bit more pressing because it's a practical matter, right? But now we have Uber. You can meet there. It's fine. You don't have to pick people up and do that. That's sort of maybe some Gen X type stuff, right? I'll pick you up from your house and walk up to the door. You you don't even have to do that anymore. Young people, especially in college, just meet places. But I would handle the greater problem, which is lacking something you think you're supposed to have like this. Be honest, be straightforward about the car situation. You're allowed slash supposed to be broke because you're in college and do something that doesn't require a car. You can go hiking, you can go for a walk, you can meet somewhere in town, in a college town, everything's walkable half the time. But this goes for anything you think you're supposed to have and don't. Uh, It's always, always, always in your head. The car thing, I understand, it's a little more practical, still in your head. But if you own it and you play it off like it's normal, which it is, by the way, you won't lose too much face here. If you dwell on it and you worry, oh, it's making me look inferior, I don't have this, I'm lacking in some way, you're going to draw attention to it. It's going to show up in your nonverbal communication, even if you don't talk about the car. It'll also be something that you're obsessing over in the conversation or beforehand or even after, and it'll lower your social value in her eyes because you're voluntarily lowering your own social value in your own eyes. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Before we move on, there was a little note. I just got this this morning. Lori writes in, I realize this was not the point of your mini episode this Monday. However, I thought you might want to know that dogs do not see the world in black and white, which is actually news to me, Jason. I always thought they saw in black and white. They're able to see shades of blue, yellow, and red and lack the ability to see shades of green similar to a red-green colorblind individual, which I think actually my brother-in-law is like that. That's for what it's worth. And she's she works for eye specialists for animals in Colorado Springs and Denver. So look. If you're an eye specialist for animals, I'm going to believe you on this. So dogs can't see red, green, but they can see blue, yellow, red, and and lack the ability to see shades of green. That's interesting for me. I I don't know why, but it's kind of cool because your whole life you kind of imagine things one way, and it just goes to show wives' tales persist even among those of us that like to think we're well-read and educated. Mind blown. Yeah, well, 
Let's not go. Let's <laughs> not, not, that, not go that far. Let's not go that far. <laughs> All right. Next up. Okay, this is a reply to the sober guy whose girlfriend wanted to drink with friends on weekends from Fan Mail Friday 132. First, let me say congrats to this guy for his sobriety. It really sounds like he takes his sobriety seriously, and that's important because that's the only way you keep at it. For any listener who may not understand getting sober at 20, I'll share a phrase that simplifies it. If you're old enough to die from alcoholism, you're old enough to get sober. And who's motivated to entirely quit alcohol at such a young age? Someone who is a bad drunk whose drinking has led to significant consequences, not your average happy hour drinker. They say that the two toughest things in sobriety are romance and finance. That's proven true in my almost 10 years. I got sober at 26. I can relate to the social aspect of life he's talking about. I also like the effort he's put in to find activities where there's another center, like comedy clubs, and not just power drinking pitchers of beer. That shows a good willingness to work for the relationship. I dated and had girlfriends that didn't have a drinking problem. Some of them understood the time I needed to put into my sobriety, while others didn't. In a way, you not liking going to bars with your girlfriend would be just like her not wanting to go to the car show with you, or baseball games, or surfing, whatever it is. I've gotten to the point in sobriety that I'm okay with not sharing every activity with my significant other. I prefer to do fun things with my wife, but the truth is she's never going to love football, techno, or even talking about certain political issues that charge me up. And she likes to do things that aren't my ideal. So sometimes we compromise, and sometimes we do separate things with friends. It's a good thing. But if you guys can't agree on mutually beneficial weekends together, your relationship might have a shorter shelf life than if you both lived in the same city. In your case, it seems like a sober issue, and it is. But the same thing could pop up if you wanted to jet ski all weekend while she favored dry land. Just stay sober. That's the most important thing, because without that, you won't be much of a partner. And that means you'll lose your partner. I've been there, and then I got sober. Signed, Caleb. This is really valuable. A lot of valuable insight in there as well. And this is from a friend of the show, a good friend of mine, who I even had at my wedding. So I know this stuff is is the real deal. And I know he's recovered really, really well and is doing really, really well, has a new wife and a kid. So this is somebody who has gone through the fryer, um, just through the ringer, I should say, and has come out the other side. So hopefully that helps. I wanted to share that on the show, especially because you know, you, you can you can see how people can go from extremes and then they think, I'm never going to be normal. And it's just not the case. All right, next up. Hi, Jordan and Jason. I have a question for you about when stereotypes come up in conversation. I'm from Colombia, and for many people, the only thing they know about my country is our drug history. Often I find myself in a situation where I meet someone, and when I answer where I'm from, the first thing they say to me is something about cocaine. It's funny you mentioned Narcos last week, because when some seasons come out, it happens a lot more. It's not something I like talking about. Most people are very misinformed about the situation and how it's affected and continues to affect Colombians. However, I don't want to have to tackle that with people I'm just meeting and don't have a real sense of rapport with. I've been traveling a lot recently, and which has been adding a language barrier to the situation as well. I think this is a problem that lots of people face with all sorts of different stereotypes. What do you think is the best way to handle it? Thanks. Don't want to get into it. Hey, I don't blame you for wanting to not or not wanting to get into it. It seems super annoying, right? It's kind of like if you were a, a certain ethnicity and everybody asked you something about that, like, oh, I'm Native American. Oh, can you do a rain dance? I mean, it's like it's an equally annoying stereotype 
except now it's even more in the zeitgeist because of narcos and because of the crazy violence and El Chapo and things like that. So I, I do feel your pain here. I feel bad for you. There's four ways that I think you can handle this, and this is similar to what we teach at boot camp when we're talking about other sort of unpleasant interactions. There's four options here. One, you can ignore it, and I know that sounds really trite, but what I mean by that is you just plow through, you keep talking about something else. So you're talking with somebody, you introduce yourself, they say, oh, Columbia, cocaine, instead of latching onto that thread of conversation, you just talk, you can even talk over them if they keep going with it, and you can talk about something else. And if nobody gives them attention for that, because a lot of people might find that awkward as well, if nobody gives them attention to that thread, they probably will just stop talking about it, and it'll be done. Two, you can banter it away, so you can turn it into a joke. So you could say something like, yep, Uncle Pablo's paying for my trip, and everybody will kind of get a laugh out of that, and then you just change the subject. Don't dwell on it after that. Don't turn it into a thing. Little banter, boom, done, dispensed with. Three, you can engage and exaggerate, which is similar to the above, you know, the Uncle Pablo thing. But you can even say, are you asking me to set up your drug business? Let me make some calls, right? And that turns it into a maybe a little bit of a two-second role play where they might be like, yeah, you know, I'll handle the muscle. And it, and that's fine if you want to turn it into a pleasant interaction. Maybe, maybe there's a woman who's attractive who says that to you and you don't want to ignore her. You don't want to be rude. And you figure, oh, she's trying to start a conversation with me and it's awkward and it's not a topic I like. So you can use this to flip it around, right? And you can... You can then change it from there, but don't get too deep into that or you're going to end up in a thread of conversation you don't like. And number four is you can just deadpan it. I'm a fan of this because I can get away with it. Not everybody can or should, and it depends on the context, but you might say deadpan is just totally serious face. You might say something like, I'm into cocaine like you're into country music, or the average Colombian is into cocaine like the average American is into ballet. And you can even follow it up with, this is something that our country is really ashamed of. I'd rather not go down that road. And people will know to drop it right away. Or you can say something like that, and then you can just change the subject. And then later on, you'll they'll feel super bad about this. So you might have to say something like, hey, I don't mind that. I just, I don't like talking about that. You know, it's embarrassing for me. And they might be like, I'm so sorry. I feel so dumb. So you have to decide whether or not you want that person to feel that way. And the answer generally in interactions is no. But if it's something that this... Say it's somebody that brings it up every time you saw, you talk to them. They think they're being funny. You think they're being an a-hole. This is one way to handle that. And then you can put a little bow on it by talking with them after when other people are not around. And that should end it at that point. And if they still don't get it, then you don't need to be around that person anymore. But uh, remember, after all these, ignore, banter, engage and exaggerate, or deadpan. You change the subject. It's annoying you have to deal with this, but you'll you'll be able to do it easily with practice, which is a skill that you unfortunately may need to build until the stereotypes change someday, and then it'll be something else. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, 
Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. All right, next up. Hello, I'm a law student and I applied for 29 positions and interviewed for 10 at the beginning of the summer. I received no offers. I realized that there needed to be a shakeup in my interviewing and personal skills. I found your podcast and listened to many of your networking and body language episodes multiple times. Last week, I had an interview where I was going up against nine other students that had much more and better experience than I did. This morning, I got a call back from them, and I was the first person they offered the position to. Accepting this position allows my wife to stay home with our newborn. I just wanted to thank you for helping me to understand that I needed to change the way I walk into a room and communicate. Respectfully, Tyler. Hey, Tyler. I First of all, congratulations. I'm really glad to hear that. And I, I love that this has come so far. Sorry to hear that you applied for 29 positions, interviewed for 10, and got no offers. That is a hard smack 
in the face, man. Dang, that is that is tough. But hey, all is well that ends well, right? Hey, man, it, he handled rejection well. I got to say, yeah. he, he doubled down, figured out what was wrong, put his nose to the grindstone, and got over it. Most people would just give up and go work at McDonald's. Yeah, I agree. You know, this brings up an interesting point because oftentimes when I tell people what we do or I tell them about boot camp, even if they're an AOC listener, sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm pretty good with this. I'm pretty good at interviewing or, you know, I, I don't really need this stuff. It's an interesting point because people who think they don't need this, they bet on themselves so much that they're betting that their impressions, their just natural first impression, is going to beat out other people who've taken the time to improve their their first impression, make connections and network over time. They will always, always lose. Somebody who's relying on their natural talent for the first two minutes is always going to lose to somebody who spent years or months building and developing their reputation, their connections, their network. That's why it's just so stupid to me when people tell me, oh, I'm a really good interviewer or you know, I'm great with people. I don't need this. You're always going to lose to somebody who's deliberately implementing this skill set. It's the tortoise and the hare. You might be the hare at first, but eventually you're going to stop and take a nap because you're li- relying on your natural talent. And it just doesn't make sense to do that when there's all this, there's so many resources out there, the show, our boot camp, the social capital product. I mean, we develop this stuff because we deal with talented people every day who've eventually run into the glass ceiling, rammed their face into a door or hit another type of wall uh, or another metaphor of your choice here (laughs) because they didn't put the effort in. So props to you, Tyler, for taking action, making it happen and then getting results. All right. Next up, Jason. Dear Mr. Harbinger, very formal formal and fancy, I sold a car to a family friend a little over two years ago. I've received three quarters of the payment up to this point and have the checks to pay the balance. The issue I have is that when I reach out to the acquaintance to pay the remainder, there's always been an excuse as to why I cannot cash the checks. Now the car has died and he's purchased a new car. He regularly posts to social media the new things he purchases for his new apartment. Two weeks ago, I sent him a message informing him of my intent to cash the checks with no response. My question is, am I in the right to cash those checks? They were given to me to pay the remainder of the purchase. We have a bill of sale with the stated purchase price. I have learned the hard way to never conduct business with family and friends, and I don't want to alienate anyone. However, that being said, an agreement is an agreement. I welcome any insight you can provide. Regards, I mean business. This situation totally sucks. Totally. (laughs) Man, I mean, this is your right. He owes you this money and he's taking advantage of you. He might not see it that way, but anybody who buys something, doesn't pay for it, has excuses, and then spends the money on something else that benefits them in a different way because they already have the benefit that you've given them is just a crazy entitled a-hole. There's no getting around it. And look, you're right. Doing business with family friends like this can sometimes, but not always, be an issue. There's no real good black and white rule that's like never do business with people that are close to your family. That's ridiculous, especially when you're giving them a good deal on a used car. I mean, I've sold my old cars to people that are in or near my family. It's not a problem. If something goes wrong with it, 
two two days after they've gotten it, yeah, obviously that was something wrong with your car before. You might want to work that out in a friendly way. But if they've had it for a while and they just decided, screw it, I'm not going to pay you, and then it dies, you don't have a warranty on that sucker. And, look, just he's being a jerk. Cash the checks and let the bank sort it out. And this might be something where you might want to lawyer up a little bit because – there could be issues with you trying to deposit checks with insufficient funds. You could end up with fees. You're going to end up suing a deadbeat loser with no money. This could be something that needs to get sorted out in court, and you'll be lucky to get money from a bad check. But if you have plenty of bad checks from him, there may be other ways to collect it. This person sounds terrible, and frankly, if you have family close to him, he should pay up or risk those relationships as well. Although from the sound of it, he doesn't care about the relationships. So I would see what leverage you have from your family and family friends. I'm not above embarrassing somebody who is acting like this at all. I'm not above going to someone's mom. In fact, a good friend of mine from law school, he lived with another guy who was a mutual friend of ours, and the guy wouldn't pay him, wouldn't pay him his his share of the rent, wouldn't pay, wouldn't pay, moved out, says I'll pay you, sent him a check, was a bad check. My friend started calling his mom at night and not threatening her or anything, but saying, hi, I'm just calling because Eric didn't pay his share of the rent again, and he owes us money. And she eventually she was like, oh, I'm not going to take the calls. I'm not going to take the calls. And my friend had an intermediary who was an investigator call late at night, making sure to get a hold of her. And it sucks, right? It's, it sucks. But he was like, look, if you don't pay, we're going to report to the credit bureaus. This is theft. And da da da, and she immediately called him, and he paid like a day later. And he was like, "Don't ever call my mom again." It's like, well, stop stealing from people. You know, I'm not above that. I know it's a little gangstery, but I'm not above that at all. I think, look, if someone's willing to do that, they're saying, "Eh, you're not going to do shit about it." And so you should. I, I'm. I hate to do the whole like Captain, you know, Justice or whatever, but it's <laughs> stuff like justice. this. Stuff like this irritates me because people think I'm going to get away with this because you're not going to do squat. So I like to do squat or or just squat plus one. Anyway. All right. Let me let me dial it back for a second here and be a little bit of the voice of reason with some practical advice. Yes. Uh, You should be able to call the bank and tell them you have a check for that account and you want to verify sufficient funds before cashing the check. Uh, I haven't done this in a while, but it used to be standard practice for a bank. They really can't tell you the full balance of the account, but if you have the account number and a check number, you should be able to avoid bouncing the check and complicating the situation. Uh, and if there isn't enough in the account, wait for what would normally be his payday, like on the 1st or the 15th or bi-monthly, or if you know when he gets paid, call the bank, make sure his paycheck's cleared, then go to the bank and cash it in person. Don't ask him anymore, and do not deposit it into your account, because if the check is bad and you may end up with processing fees, like Jordan mentioned on top of that, and the hassle of burning one of the checks because then you have to get another check to repay. But if you know that there are sufficient funds, you can go to the bank and cash that check. And that will end around him complaining about anything and say, hey, you gave me the check. The check is valid. We have a contract. I'm taking my money. You didn't reply. I, you know, and in, in the old days, uh, what is it? Uh, silence implies consent. So if you didn't reply back, I assumed that it was okay to cash the checks. Boom. Bob's your uncle. Well, it's, it seems like this person is replying and saying, oh, no, you know, I can't because I need to do this. And then he goes out and buys a TV. Uh, but he said he said two weeks ago he sent him a message of his intent to cash and the guy hasn't replied yet. So, yeah. So screw it. I would definitely do that. And if you're friends with anybody at the bank, like the manager, which I always try to make friends with bank managers, 
then yeah, figure out exactly when that's going to be. And you don't have to do it one check at a time. No, do um, them all. Yeah. Do them all at once. And yeah, if they go, oh my God, I can't pay my rent. Not your problem. They Not made your this problem. Bed. They yeah. made this bed for themselves. Yeah, I like that. Practical advice for the win. I, I would love it if you would let us know if this was able to go through for you because this person just sounds awful. And I have, I will feel somehow satisfied <laughs> if this person gets their due. Their comeuppance. Yes, their comeuppance, exactly. All right, last but not least. Hello, Jordan and Jason. I really enjoy the podcast and try my best not to miss an episode. I find it most convenient to listen to the podcast on my commute to and from work each day. With so much information, though, do you have any tips on retaining and getting the most out of all the knowledge you drop on us almost every day? Thanks so much and keep up the great work. Almost overwhelmed. Sure. So I've talked about this on the show before. Do one concept at a time. Take one concept from one show, each show. Doesn't even matter what it is. By the way, you can also re-listen to things you think are important, and you can do multiple passes on a particular episode. A lot of people do that regularly. Oh, and, and by the way, if you use the app, you can star episodes, so you can go back and see the ones that you favorited and go back and say, this is my like reading list, so if I want to go back to them later, you know exactly where to go back to. So, And that's why we have content overlap as well, because we'll have one guest who talks about networking, and then a month later we'll have one that talks about networking. And they take two different angles, but maybe there's like 40% overlap, and that's fine. It's a study course. You're allowed to get material over and over and over, and it takes time to absorb. You just can't beat yourself up for not getting 100% of this stuff right away. And I feel like we get this question once a quarter, or at least I answer it once a quarter, probably get it every <laughs> week. But there's no no reason that you should be worried about absorbing everything each of these guests says. Sure, you need to pay attention. You're not just going to get everything through osmosis, but the idea that is that if you're listening and you start applying one thing from each show, you're going to see huge differences over the course of the, the next few years of listening to the show here. Documentary of the week, Sour Grapes. Jason, did you see this? Uh, no, I haven't heard of this one yet. So this is on Netflix. It's about this con man who turned the wine industry upside down. I don't care that much about wine. But wine people love this movie. I loved this anyway. Basically, there's this dude who comes out of nowhere. And the wine industry, especially people who are buying rare cases of rare wines at auctions, I mean, this is not a huge world. Mm -hmm. And this guy's going to auctions and buying millions of dollars worth of wine. And he's he single-handedly raised the price of wine in Napa. Uh, good wine, like super high-end wines. And then there's plot twist and plot twist and plot twist and plot twist. And he's with he's friends with these, you know, directors and stuff that are everyone's drinking a hundred grand worth of wine at these dinners they have every month. It's just bananas. And then he turns it turns out to be not what it seems. Really good documentary, really interesting. If you don't care about wine, you'll still like it because I don't care about wine and I loved it. Just the human behavior element. And it was just plot twist and then plot twist and then plot twist in this documentary. It's called Sour Grapes and it's on Netflix. Okay, you have me intrigued because I like con men and I like wine. So I, want, I really want to check this one out. He's a wine con man. Boom. I hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us Friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. I keep everyone anonymous, and you can either make up your own funny name. We can do it. If it's feedback for the show, 
very big fans of that. Strong opinions loosely held. We love to argue like we're right, but listen like we are wrong. So don't be shy to hit us up over here. If you've got your own advice for some of the people you've heard from today, you can let us know that as well. Sometimes I pass that along, and other times I read it on the show. A link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF133. Quick shout out to X and Y. I, I was short on time coming up for creative names here. They're two <laughs> under two undercover cops who spend a lot of time in the car listening to AOC. I'm just imagining narcos staking out a house or something, but the truth is you're probably just going to meetings about your health insurance benefits or something like that in time in the car or doing paperwork. But anyway, they listen to AOC a ton in the car. So stay safe out there, guys, as well. Are you in a strange land listening to our familiar voices? If so, hit me up and we'll shout you out. I'd love to hear from you either way. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm. It's a great way to engage with the show. And uh, you're on Twitter, right, Jay? I'm on Twitter at JPDef. That's J-P-D-E-F. And you can check out my other podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks. We've got a bunch of AOC friends over there sending in questions every week. Just go to GOG.show for how to subscribe. Also, don't forget about The Art of Charm Challenge. Text AOC. That's aoc to 38470 here in the States, or you can just go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. It's about networking skills, charisma skills, and social capital is what we call a lot of those, making connections for both personal and professional reasons, becoming a better networker. It's unisex, that means for both guys and gals. I feel like we have to define that word these days. So check it out. It's also free. That's the whole point. It's just free momentum. Get the ball rolling on applying this stuff that you learn on the show. Text AOC. That's AOC to 38470 or go to slash challenge. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps. We run those pretty much every single week here in LA. It, it, we just got a brand new house, too, which is amazing. It's huge and it has a pool. Oh, God, it's, it's even better than the last one, which is also really great. So if you really want to dig into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches, that's at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. We accept cryptocurrency for those of you who want to do things on the low, those cypherpunks out there. Now stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them. 